wellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to A Quirky Journey, the healthy family podcast with your hosts, Joe Witten and Fuad Kassab. Good morning and welcome to another episode of A Quirky Journey. This is your host, Fuad Kassab, and with me, sitting in her car, overlooking the most beautiful sight on the planet, is my good friend, Joe Witten. Hello, Jojo. Hello, Fufu. I'm sitting here at a lookout in between appointments, thinking, you know, this is a good place to sit in the mornings. It's so beautiful. It's a little bit wet, but other than that, it's beautiful. You can't have it all, Joe. You can't. No, have, that's no. right. Can't have blue skies every day. <laughs> that's how we get such green, green grass up here in exactly. rainforest. All the rain. <laughs> no, it's lovely. How's things for you? Really good. Uh, another week has passed. Um, it's funny. My friend the other day said something to me. Um, yeah, I'll mute this. Um, he said to me, my God, like, I feel like I'm having a deja week. And I, that, and that cracked me up. I was like, deja week is, is the, the, the <laughs> best. <Deja week. laughs> I thought it was hilarious. So um, I'm kind of um, looking back at this year and um, thinking of how I haven't had a deja week for a long time, ever since I quit my corporate <laughs> job. Yeah. <laughs> All thanks to you, Jojo. No, so. don't say that. It's not all thanks to me. Well, you know, you, you enabled <laughs> me to be uh, able to have this life where I can wow. uh, yeah, work work on these amazing things with you. So, um, yeah, well, I love it. So that's good. It's mutual, mutually beneficial. <laughs> Joe, can I ask? I give you a lot yes. of like difficulty in your life. and uh, <laughs> True. I'm, I'm always annoying you and I'm always challenging you and like frustrating Poking you. Poking me and yeah. prodding me. Why do you put up with this? I don't know. I just, I don't know. <laughs> you should look into this uh, I'm, I'm hoping like the answer is because it. like uh, you know even though I, I am a bit difficult it helps you grow as a human being but well, if that's not I, the case yes. then, uh, <laughs> no, no, that, that is I don't want to put true. words in your mouth <laughs> that is very true but you know, if you only ever poked and prodded me and told me off and told me to get with it and stuff then I might get a bit discouraged but okay. you're also very encouraging so ah. um yeah you also are a very big support to me so ah, thanks thank Georgia same same to you so it's the same I feel <laughs> constantly supported and annoyed by you simultaneously <laughs> yeah exactly yeah exactly. so it's a good balance uh, it is it is you know you need like <laughs> when you make something sweet you need a little bit of salt in there to just bring it yeah, out yeah a bit of bitterness <laughs> <laughs> just kidding yeah. a little bit of tanginess <laughs> here we are what, what has it been almost two years of working together yeah. Jojo yeah and um, you know our uh, friendship continues to grow and um, yeah we're uh, yeah definitely we're both learning this. and That's definitely so um, yeah. um, this is just a small thank you from me to you for um, having afforded me this beautiful life that I live now in which I can <laughs> live in service to other people and to get over my own uh, ego and my own uh, selfish <laughs> desires and, and to actually have my life benefit other people for a change. So Aww. thank you, Jojo. Well, you're so welcome. And, and a big thank you from me as well, because, you know, before you started helping me, I was so overwhelmed and stressed out with such a big workload and trying to do it all myself, like us mums often do 
um, the homeschooling, the kids, the constant taking kids everywhere, plus having a home business and trying to run any, everything yourself. It's just can do your head in. So to have someone to support you and back you up and push you further That's is it. amazing. So thank then you. Someone, uh, someone once said to me, you, you walk faster alone, but you walk further together. That's right. And uh, I feel I'm walking yeah. faster and further with you. So yeah, me too. <laughs> it hasn't slowed me down any, in any way. Oh, Except when good. I have to deal with you, like, oh, I'm, not, I'm like, oh, all right, okay, Joe. <laughs> yeah. You have to put up with my mood sometimes. That's all right. I signed up for that. I live with you three did. girls, so I know what it's That's like. That's right. You're used to yeah. working with women now. It wasn't a surprise when I <laughs> came into this. <laughs> so, Love uh, it. <laughs> yeah, we've we've had a we've had a big uh, big week. One a close friend of ours, uh, the beautiful Lynn, has passed away passed after away. Yeah. Um, a, a long time. My next time door neighbour. I don't. Some like... of you might re- remember her actually, because when we first moved into our house, we've often talked about the beauty of community and um, having a close knit community and how important it is to support each other in your community. And when we first moved into our house, she came over with this beautiful big pound cake and her husband came and helped move all our furniture in and moved our big new Falcon oven when I got that. And, um, you know, if I, if my husband's away, her husband will just come over and take all my rubbish to the dump and without asking, he'll just take it. And, you know, it's just that kind of community. Um, and she was kind of the heart of it, it felt like. And yeah. um, such a beautiful soul, and just always smiling and happy. And she, and what I really, what I'm really missing the most is having her just drop by and taste my food. Yeah. <laughs> she always popped by when I was recipe testing and said, "Oh, well, let me taste this and that," and and I'd take samples over to her place. So I'll have to make sure I still do that. For Absolutely, her always put yeah. something to, aside for her. Aside for Absolutely. him, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it it was it was such a. Um, you know, when you have people like that in your life, it's such a beautiful thing and you miss them, but at least you you always have. And, and also it helps you to realize that's the kind of person I want to be for other people. You know, Joe, when so. um, like I met Lynn and within like five seconds, we were best friends. Oh, and, totally. Yeah. And, you know, She's I, like that with just everyone. She is, yeah. And I, I'm not really sure because I met her while she was sick. I don't like the yeah. word, you know, uh, in a battle with cancer or anything like no. that. This is not the kind of vocabulary I use because what I yeah. witnessed in her was something completely different. Like she, um, she was on a search for peace during that mm. phase of her life, and uh, yeah, and know, she found it. She, she found was it. just so peaceful towards yeah. the end. Like they, her thoughts were all for for her family and her friends, and um, you know she was just so beautiful and and very peaceful at the end. My mum was there with her for yeah. the for you know the last couple of days and yeah it was it was actually really beautiful it's uh, a reminder that we're all on this finite journey and we shouldn't have to come to this point of having to face our own mortality through a disease before we make a change in our life to find Mm -hmm. that peace and transmit it to the people around us and uh, be that light in the world which she so incredibly was she she was Mm. a shining woman um, and I'm going to miss her a lot and uh, visiting the Tablelands is not going to be the same without her. So I'm going to miss those hugs. (laughs) Yeah. So Lynn, uh, we love you and uh, we're so happy that you came into our life. Thank you. Joe, 
Yes. Simi's doing his driving test this week. He is. I'm, I'm got my fingers and toes and everything I can cross. <laughs> I think I, I make about six trips a day taking kids everywhere and it's like, oh, please, one of you get your license. <laughs> yes. So uh, hopefully he'll, he'll come through. Yes. With, yeah. He probably would need a few goes at it, but who doesn't? He might. Yeah. He seems to be doing well, but then tests bring out all the yeah um, anxiety <laughs> <laughs> oh my god someone's watching what i'm doing i can't do it ah. anymore like when you tell someone just breathe they're like how how do i breathe yes. <laughs> that's right <laughs> oh, just like yes. that so true and uh, we'll see hopefully hopefully he'll get it and soon one of them <laughs> so, you know, the topic of today's podcast is fermentation. And uh, you've been fermenting, Simi, for what, 18 years now? So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's right. I've been very patient. <laughs> yeah, so. Thankfully, he's the kind of kid that you can be very patient with because he's very good natured. He, he's a sweetie. Not like Isaac <laughs> and Cassia. I hate those kids. No. <laughs> <But> <laughs> he's definitely the easiest one. Oh, yeah. India's easy. India's all right. Oh, she wasn't when she was little. Yeah. When she was she was a little she can be quite feisty at times and when she was little she was the tantrum chucker and she was the one that would, you know, go head to head with you and and I remember praying, please, God, give me a, a boy next. And I want him to be really, really gentle and easy to get on with. And, oh, oh my goodness, I got it in Simi. So, yeah. you know, you've got Should to have asked that. for a few more things like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like boy genius turns millionaire at 13, yeah. something like that. Yeah, you know, that. Make it a bit forgot practical. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> Too late now. Not having any more. That's right. Yeah. You better not. Oh, my God. Ah. Yeah. Louis C.K. says, um, you know, um, having your second baby is much more difficult than having your first baby and it's almost like you're drowning and someone hands you a baby that's exactly what it feels like <laughs> i remember when i had india was two and simi was a baby and i and i had a girl coming to help me with housework and washing once a week because i couldn't keep up and i wasn't i was working a little bit from home not very much as a graphic artist um, but I remember that feeling of drowning. And then by the time I had third and fourth, it was like, oh, I got, got the hang of it and I didn't well, need any help. you got used to being able to breathe underwater. That's maybe all. that's yeah. what it was. got used to not having yeah. sleep or something because I was fine and I didn't have any help. And we lived on a farm and I homeschooled and I had four kids, yeah. you know, seven and under. And that's, it's funny how you, you learn to cope with whatever you got to cope with. Yeah. <laughs> You get given what uh, you can handle and you have to no, that's, that's it, that's exercise it. that muscle. Mm. So, um, how are you doing? Good. I'm good. Tell me yeah. more. Oh, let me think. <laughs> <laughs> See how he pulls things out of me, this guy? <laughs> <laughs> Pokes and prods and pulls. Oh, it's good. Now, I'm just um, sitting here looking at the the wind blowing in the grass and feeling very relaxed and um, I think it's going to be a good day so we've got to get some more work done on our ebook. Hopefully That's we'll finish something. it today. Hopefully yeah, that we need to get, get that done. finished today. I've got a chocolate croissant Christmas tree waiting to be made at home. And eat The them. ingredients and eat. Oh, I'm not supposed to be eating it because I'm right. doing low carb. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's all right. I, I, I can, I'll have to um, and I'd better not take it to my dad because he doesn't need it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, definitely I'm, not. 
He died, no. would smash the whole thing in one sitting. He, he would, and he doesn't need that. Yeah. So I'm sure my kids will eat it. Definitely. I think it's great. <laughs> oh, I do have another neighbor I need to take some to. She was over when I was testing it last time, but she had to go home before I finished. And Is that Bianca? By the time, no, it's a, another neighbor, Jodie. Um, she works um, with Pete Evans for the doing the ready-made meals. Okay. Yeah, she lives across the road. Nice. So, um, right. Yeah, so I'll take her some because she eats grain-free and all that. Yes. So uh, for those of you who don't know, we're preparing an ebook based on the grain-free dough recipe or the grain-free pastry recipe from Life Changing Food. And um, we're giving you 10 free recipes to work with over Christmas. So the, it'll come to your inbox or um, you'll be able to download it off the website. And we've created 10 really, really delicious festive recipes. And of course, they're not all Christmas trees and stuff like that, but... Um, that was Joe's uh, wish for this one. She wants to, she wants to make a Christmas tree. So um, well, there, there's been one going around on Facebook probably for over the next, last few years. Every yes. Christmas, it's like puff pastry and Nutella. Yes. And um, of course, people go, "Oh, I'll make it because it's Christmas." But yeah. hey, if you can do a healthier version, why not? And it's why don't very you delicious. Use like some. Uh, dried sour cherries or something like Christmas tree decoration. Bobbles. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Would they go black in the oven though? I'll put them afterwards. Yeah, that's not that a bad idea. Um, right. I was that just, was a stupid idea. Just based, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, this, you can't I'm judge thinking, a brainstorming thinking. session, Joe. Like, you know, what about, you just throw ideas the, out there. <laughs> what about those, you know, those hoppers, sprinkles that are supposed to be, um, well, they're naturally um, – sweetened and naturally colored i don't even know what they are oh that you can get them at the health food shop and they have the little silver balls and stuff i don't know how, uh, how that can be natural oh, maybe yeah. they're not silver because those ones probably aren't natural anyway there's different colored you could put some of those on okay well there you go um hmm. see how you go we need okay. to get this ebook done so maybe if there's no we time do. for it we can just put that as an idea yeah and um yeah we've had a, a good week um Thank you, everyone, who uh, got the message about the Solid Techniques pans that we're selling on the website, um, which we started selling. And there was a you, we sold out of all our pans, mm. so we had to get a fresh batch in. Uh, we didn't anticipate your demand for for them, but we should have because they are amazing cookware. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> they've gone crazy. Gone crazy. So I think everybody everybody's saying, "I'll just buy myself a Christmas present." Yeah, why not? Why not? <laughs> yeah, it's I awesome. agree. So um, <laughs> this is going to be a present that lasts <clears throat> for the rest of your life. Uh, so just the wrap it up, is, yeah. put it under the tree, and put from anonymous. That's it. And then nobody will know that you bought it for yourself. Um, <laughs> just or own it or own the fact that you, you know, <laughs> you, you bought yourself something nice that you want to work with. Yeah. Because you know? I feel Gotta like, you know, happen. most of our time is spent in the kitchen as parents looking after oh. our own food and our kids. So we, we may as so well. Much time there. Yeah. Like have really good have things to tools. work with. Because, the, you know, if you're going to have to throw this stuff out all the time, then it's problematic. Like, I know from yeah. being a, a chef in a commercial kitchen, you just got good tools. Like, people have mm. had their chef's knives for 20 years, you know. I yeah. worked with a chef who had um, sharpened her knife from a full chef's knife to a paring knife. It had gone... Yeah. You know, My mums are like that. Yeah. They just become so yeah. small after sharpening for some... <laughs> so Very thin. Yeah. So... <laughs> Um, we, 
um, Solid Technics is one of our sponsors, and uh, we love their uh, cookware. They're non-toxic, non-stick. After you season them, and they have a multi-generation, multi-generational warranty. I can't get my words out today. Um, <laughs> you just so relaxed. I am. Um, so <laughs> we are offering you ten percent off Solid Technics cookware if you go to our website quirkycooking.com.au/solid. You'll be able to see our cookware range. We also have Living Synergy nut milk bags there now, which is really cool. Um, mm-hmm. But um, Solid Technics, you can get ten percent off if you use the coupon code ten QCP. So that's one zero QCP, and um, we'll have this as an ongoing uh, offer, hopefully for you guys, because we want to make this affordable and uh, help you uh, get rid of all those Teflon-coated cookware out of your home. We recorded a podcast with Mark Henry from Solid Technics. I think it was two podcasts ago. So make sure you listen to that and uh, understand what these guys are about because they're amazing and they really should should be supported, definitely. Yes. Um, oh, wow. So we've got a, a week, another week coming up. Um, bef- how long before we get to Echuca, Joe? Um, that's the 4th of December. So what's today? I, I can't even remember what date it is today. It's the, no, let me let check. Me see. I'll check for you. 17th of November. Yeah. What, okay, three so weeks? we've still got, yeah, one, two, oh no, only, yeah, three weeks. Just a bit over three weeks. So if you are an Echukan, make sure you come and, uh, <laughs> is that I it? am. Oh yeah. <laughs> that, I haven't been there for a long time, so I probably I don't know if I count as one still, but hey, I'm still gonna have fun going back to my roots. Yeah, well Joe was born in Echuk and, and the town hasn't recovered since, so we kinda try to <laughs> trying to go Hey, in they're a, they're excited that I'm coming back. Maybe to break the spell. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. I'm being silly That's today. Okay. But you um, are. <laughs> like you're never silly for one. Well, I, I fluctuate between extremely serious to being extremely silly. Um, Deep and meaningful to wacky. Let me open up the page on our website to see all our events so we can tell you guys when we're doing what. I don't have a memory for dates, so <laughs> Joe does. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that <laughs> when you put them up on Facebook and got them all jumbled. <laughs> Sorry, Joe. Um, That's okay. I try my best sometimes, but sometimes my it's best right. isn't good enough. It didn't take that long to fix. No. All right, here we go. So, Monday, the 4th of December, between 7 p.m. and 10 p.m., we're in Echuca, Moama. What's Moama? Is that like a suburb in Echuca? Like, what... No, it's like over the border. So, together, they're sort of like a twin towns, but oh. one's on one side of the border, one one side of the river, one's the other side. I guess. I think that's right. Oh. Correct, okay. correct right. me if I'm wrong, guys. Right. But yeah, it's right on the Murray River, which is the border of Victoria and New South Wales. Oh, wow. Wales. So can we get some, like, pink salt from there? Or? We maybe could get some Murray River salt. Yeah. Is that what you mean? Yeah. yeah. Isn't it pink? I don't know. Yeah, Murray River salt is pink. Oh, cool. So this is at the Dangala Event Center. I hope I said that right. Um, so 7 p.m. on Monday, the 4th we'll of December. Out. And two days after, we are in St. Kilda, Melbourne, uh, in the St. Kilda Town Hall. Wednesday, the 6th of December, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. session. Um, We travel to all these different suburbs and uh, cities to bring the message of Whole Foods and Whole Food Cooking and Healing Through Whole Foods to uh, all our followers who have bought the book and people who've been following Joe for years and years and years and are keen to get a bit of inspiration and education on how to 
feed themselves a healthier diet and how they can cook better for their families and how to make things simple at home and to look at alternatives to eating things that you might get from the supermarket and uh, it's a really fun event and also brings people together a lot of people go there and they uh, meet having met uh, leave meeting new friends and making uh, and so it's a really beautiful community event. Make sure you go there because you sort of uh, will be able to um, see people within your community maybe that you didn't know you had such commonality with and that will allow you to have a larger tribe where you live. So mm. it's, a, it's a cool way to meet people. Also, for the, I, in our travels, we meet a lot of parents who have kids that are struggling with changing their diet or health issues or anxiety or different things. And they often say to me, I would love for my kids to talk to your kids. Well, my kids are going to be with us on these um, classes in Echuca and Melbourne and they absolutely love chatting to other kids and will, you know, they'd love to meet your kids. Bring them along. If you've got teenagers that need a bit of encouragement um, to, to eat healthier or, you know, to know that there's others that have been in the same boat as them that have struggled with their health and struggled with anxiety or OCD or, you know, the different things that we talk about, um, gut health, getting onto gaps, all these things, you know, there's some teenagers there that can talk to them and be a friend to them. So bring them along as well. And bring the blokes. And bring the blokes. I need some, <laughs> some you know, a little you, bit not, of masculine energy I'm, in the room. I won't have Mr. Quirky there because he, he doesn't like crowds. But bring yes. your blokes. <laughs> I don't think Mr. Quirky qualifies as Mr. Quirky. I don't, no. <laughs> I, I think he has to attend at least one event before I give him that badge of honor. So okay. until okay, he does, him. tell him. Let him know. <laughs> I don't uh, think he cares. <laughs> no. It's like, I don't want to be Mr. Quirky anyway. No. Uh, well, that's good because, you know, like it's... Uh, he, he does his uh, kayaking. He hides and, away. Uh, yeah, hides stuff. away. So that's all, he wants to be in nature. He doesn't want to be in a room with a thousand people. That's true. So, that's very true. Yeah. He'd much rather be out on the lake. Yeah. So well, fair enough. Fair um, enough. As long as he can't, brings we can't a bit of be... the lake peace back home with him. Yeah, good, <laughs> that's yeah. right. Yeah. He always does, actually. Yeah. You notice the difference when, you know, isn't it amazing when you can just get out in nature, the difference in your attitudes, you just feel so much more peaceful. Well, I think the word nature it says it all. Like, um, you know, it's our nature, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So we got to go out there and get, <laughs> get out there. with our nature, which is get a peaceful nature. Mm. Uh, when we are domesticated and kept within uh, four walls and uh, feeling uh, we don't get enough sunshine and fresh air and uh, we don't, we always see our straight lines and 90 degree angles and, uh, you know, mm. none of the complexity of the natural environment, our brain uh, switches to a very, very different state. And uh, I think um, it's really important for us to discover yeah. what it means for us to be in nature for a prolonged period of time. And a lot of us don't even spend, uh, you know, more than minutes at a time mm. in nature. Um, so it's a call to you guys if you get a chance to do any kind of activity uh, try to make it outdoors try to be outdoors when you when you can during the day especially during the day uh, nighttime it takes a, a little bit more courage to be outdoors you have to build up to that uh, but 
Yeah, yeah so uh, it's beautiful. But if you insist on being indoors, well, come to St. Kilda or Echuca for our <laughs> event. <laughs> oh, we'll make you feel at home. Don't you worry. We'll sort you out. <laughs> I have no uh, straight lines or 90 degree angles on me. No, yeah. definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so, Jojo, uh, do you want to tell uh, our listeners a little bit about our sponsor, Walida? Sure. Well, um, we have a beautiful sponsor, Walida, which you probably, many of you have heard of already, um, who make um, gorgeous body products that are non-toxic, no nasties. You know, it's difficult to find things on the, on the shelf in a, in a shop um, that don't have nasties in them these days to put on your skin because whatever you, um, we all know that whatever you put on your skin, you're basically eating. It's going through your skin into your bloodstream and um, you just need to be really aware that um, toxins can enter your body that way. So we always have been trying to use non-toxic body products and when we found Walida a couple of years ago, um, we were just amazed by how beautiful it was and it's all organic, biodynamic, um, plant botanicals and just harvested at, a, at the peak time of harvest so that everything is just at its best. Um, and we find a lot of um, benefit in trying the different um, formulas, yeah. <laughs> I guess you'd say. Um, you know, just trying trying a, a variety. They've got such a big variety in their range, um, so you don't need to get stuck on one thing and always wear rose, although I must admit I am quite addicted to the rose range. But um, I was thinking about it today, the pomegranate, and, you know, it's so beautiful. It smells amazing. It feels amazing on your skin, and we find the eczema range really good. A lot of you have asked about that. Um, so to check it out, you can go to walida.com.au and use our code QuirkyJourney and you can get 10% oh, off your order. 15% now, 15%. Oh, that's right. Yes. I forgot. Yep. Sorry, guys. 15%. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So just in time for Christmas, um, get some packs of that for friends and family and um, just try it out for yourself as well. And you'll find that um, you'll you'll notice a difference in your skin if you're just feeding it really good stuff I'm, so, i've been using the sea buckthorn lotion and body mm -hmm. wash and i've been loving that recently so that's been i need awesome. to try that one i haven't you tried haven't that you one. should try it no. you should definitely okay. definitely try it it's awesome i will and uh it sophie does the best with it as well she it's um keeps her skin really really soft and stops her from oh, feeling itchy and all that so even though it's not really meant to be for uh, like eczema or itchy skin or anything like that but it seems to work like, i mean that's that's not what they advertise it on the label but she does really well with it mm. yeah give that Beautiful. One a shot um, and you do get free shipping if you order over 90 dollars worth yes so um unless it's gift bags i think because they have okay. these gift bags you can't do the gift yes. bags with free shipping um, okay. I also wanted to mention Brisbane. We're going to be there in February. I know you guys are procrastinating to book, um, so don't do it. Because <laughs> it seems like forever away. Yeah, just book now. Book now and commit to it. And when the time comes, you'll be lucky. You'll be happy that you were lucky enough to have booked early. Is that did yes. that come out right? Very good. Yeah. Because um, we usually get a last-minute crush for bookings and. Um, 
it's best if you book early so that that way you you ensure your spot and we don't want you to yeah. be disappointed because it takes us a long time to organize these events and to um, book a city and get everything sorted for it and the likelihood yeah. of us visiting a city again within one year is very very low so it'll take us uh, around a year to get back to you if we if we do so yeah. make sure you go and book and um, we would want to see you. We really would love to see you there. Please come and visit yes. us and say hello. What else, Georgia? What do you want to talk about? The podcast today? Well, yeah, I'll have to go soon. So, yeah, yeah. five minutes and then I've got to go. So, All you right. want to talk about the podcast? The podcast yeah. is uh, really, uh, really nice podcast today. It's very cruisy. It's with Sharon Flynn. Uh, Sharon is uh, the uh, owner and founder of a Melbourne-based business called The Fermentary. And uh, mm-hmm. she makes incredible ferments uh, like krauts and kefirs and things like that. And she's the author of a beautiful book called Ferment for Good, Ancient mm-hmm. Foods for the Modern Gut. And today we talk to her about um, her journey through life. So it's uh, how she found herself through fermentation. Uh, she's had a, a really interesting life of a lot of travel and uh, not, what was it? She didn't spend more than two years in the one spot? Is that what she said? I think that sounds about right. Yeah. She's sort of been everywhere. You know, after we got off the um, podcast yesterday, I grabbed her book and um, flicked through it because she talked a lot about Japan and what she learned about fermented foods and living in the culture. And yes. um, I, of course, Isaac is totally mad about Japan and anything Japanese because he's learning Japanese and he's doing really well with it. And he's got a lot of Japanese friends he talks to online. And yep. so I found all the excerpts in the book where she talks about Japan and I just read them all to him and we really enjoyed it. Her book has a lot of um, stories in it as well as the recipes and it gives you that background of the food. Like you can read all about Nato and how she first found it and what it what it's like and um, how you eat it, but it's very much told in a story form and it's very, very good to read. So, yeah, it's one of those books that you just pick up and want to read. That's it. It's beautiful. Yeah, that's right. So she yeah. she has a lot of uh, stories in there, which are, yeah. that's wonderful because we're dealing with a very traditional food, an ancient, ancient food, uh, and this is what we're all about here. We're all about looking at um, the ways that our ancestors found uh, to maximize nutrition and benefit from the food that they ate and to be um, in harmony with the seasons. And fermentation Mm. is really a tool for that. And uh, it is steeped in so much culture and history and personal stories. It's wonderful to be able to really read that and uh, get her perspective on it for someone who lives their life professionally making these things. And uh, her life is marinating in a, you know, crock pot <laughs> herself. So it's, <laughs> it's, uh, and she just keeps getting better and better. She does. <laughs> These things require a, a lifetime of uh, understanding for mastery. So I love just, how I love how mm-hmm. the podcast sort of. It wasn't just a, a boring podcast about the technicalities of fermenting. It was about um, life and patience and learning and growing and slow living and slow cooking and um, traditional cultures and not about fad diets and trendy stuff. It was about traditional foods and just the beauty of them. I loved it. 
Beautiful. I loved it too. Um, mm. Hopefully the recording went well. There was a little bit of glitches in the sound and uh, a bit of yeah. delay. So I find myself asking too many questions and not giving Joe the opportunity to ask as many because <laughs> she, she was, uh, she had a delay and I didn't know when she was talking and when she was not. So whenever I, okay. I have like a two second silence, I feel freaked out. And I was like, I've got to ask a question quickly. <laughs> uh, so Joe, apologies if that happened. No, so, don't yeah, worry. Yeah. I, I felt like it was the most important thing was to let her talk. So yeah. that's good. Yeah. Awesome. Well, guys, we'll uh, leave you to the podcast. Uh, enjoy it. Uh, if you enjoy this podcast, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. It will help other people find us and to tune in. Um, a lot of people don't know about us and they don't know about A Quirky Journey. And if this has been helpful for you, it's a very simple way to spread the, the message because the more stars we have, the more iTunes will push us up in the charts and we'll be able to have visibility to other people. And um, your support is really, really um, valued here. Also send this to your friends. Just send them an email um, with the link if you enjoy it and uh, share it and tell them to subscribe. Just go to your podcast uh, application on your phone and subscribe to A Quirky Journey. And uh, enjoy the show. Sharon, hello. How are you doing? Great. How are you? Fantastic. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Sharon. No worries. Thanks for having me. Hello. Good to hear you. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Uh, Sharon, we're super excited to have you here. We've had your book uh, with us for many, many months now. Um, And we've been meaning to get you on the podcast for a a long time, ever ever since we met you, actually. So it's really wonderful to have you here finally and to be able to have this conversation. Um, Before we hear your voices. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we're going to come down to Melbourne in uh, in December. So hopefully we'll see you there. Yeah, I, I just actually put it up on my Facebook that you're coming down. Thanks oh, thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I, I didn't do a good job because people are saying, what, what is the date for a Tuesday? <laughs> they can click through. <laughs> just look it up. <laughs> yeah, click through. <laughs> uh. Sharon, before we get into the, the details, just let us know, uh, what did you have for breakfast today? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise question. <laughs> I have had quite a few slivers oh, of, um, of panettone. <laughs> wow, I kept thinking Christmas. I wasn't going to have any, so that the slices are very thin. You know what I mean? And then yes, I kept yeah. going back, back for an <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, there's a certain you know, thing. Yeah, <laughs> you can allow yourself. You know, like anything that's less than half a centimeter is not really eaten anything. So you know, that's right. Well, my yeah. trick is so so basically you're... then I haven't had breakfast yet. <laughs> <laughs> what do you usually have for breakfast? <laughs> oh my gosh. in the last couple of days so I've had and that was like seasonal fruit apricots and anything that's on the in the bowl um and if it's really cold I do like miso soup miso soup a bit of natto and some rice but it's, I'm not a routine person yeah. I love to have variety <laughs> so we, we can certainly see you're not a routine person um reading through the introduction of your book uh you're a globetrotter who likes a lot of change and excitement in your life. And you seem, it seems like you've had an amazing life of travel and exploration. Um, 
can you uh, walk us through a little bit about this amazing life that you've had and how you came uh, into fermentation. Okay. Well, thanks for saying it. it's amazing. <laughs> um, when I say not a routine person, I just can't stick to routines. It's not that um, I'm really an interesting person. It's just I need a <laughs> yes, you. Are. I need a, to change things up a lot, you know. <laughs> and that's probably how the, my life has been because I I'll look at something and go to the next thing and. When it came to fermenting, um, I did stick within the boundary of it, do you know what I mean, with food. Everything, the next thing was always something fermented. So that turned out good. Um, I was an army brat, so we moved around a lot mm. with my dad, uh, never living in the same place for more than two years, really, the same mm. house. Um, and then one of those postings was to Malaysia in Kuala Lumpur. That was really big in my life as far as food is concerned, because we had amazing food over there. And when I got back, I went straight off to Denmark as an exchange student for a year. And, and that was pretty much the beginning of fermenting because I lived out in the country and they had a, an old cellar and a, like a, a cold room, you know, where you'd keep food instead of a refrigerator. Hmm. And um, they fermented things. It was just a very old-fashioned, old-style food and it was fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Initially, I thought it was off. You know, everything was a bit something wrong. But um, then I learnt it was very good. And um, when I got back, you know, just went to finish school and um, started uni and then went to Japan and stayed there for ages. <laughs> I didn't plan that. Um, but I ended up, I just loved it so much and I wanted to use all of my visa and um I ended up in the countryside with this really great job and um, just stayed and stayed. And that was when also I learned a lot about food and um, my main passion would have been fermenting, but I never would have called it that because it was just a bunch of new food that I was learning about. Mm. Mm. Sounds like, I feel like I'm going on a monologue. No, 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 that's all right. Wait. We want to hear your story. If we interrupt too much, the um, Skype gets okay. a bit glitchy. <laughs> I'm like, are you still there? <laughs> yeah, we're still here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I would um, really love to. Yeah, so that was an amazing time though. I would love to hear what kinds of foods they had in Denmark that you, that sounds fascinating, like no refrigeration and just the fermented foods in a cold room. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't just fermented foods, even the meat that she'd cooked the night before, for example, Yeah, that would go on to the, the sort of, I would like to say, in my mind, it was all marble, but I'm pretty sure it wouldn't have been. <laughs> um, it was a stone room, you know, just rock room. Yeah. And the shelving wow. was there and it was open. Um, and, and Is this like a, like a root cellar? You know, is that the, yeah. what they, yep. okay. Right, right. So, um, yeah, this is a, a very old way of um, basically keeping things cold and yeah. uh, in a, in a Good climate, so that they can last. You put things like potatoes and root vegetables and that kind of stuff in there as well, Sharon. That's right. And they had um, sand that you put the root vegetables in. Yeah. To in the ground, so that was um, the room that you, they had. It was, you stepped down into it, not deep, but it was it was lower than the, the house floor. Um, well, the food there was initially. I was just um, I did I literally wrote home about it because there was no internet back then. In fact, while I was there, I think my 
uh, as a way to communicate, which is hilarious, actually, when you think back to that, um, because they had so many strawberries and things that we, in Australia, oh. in my home, when mum, when mum bought strawberries, two or three each in a bowl, you know, that was, yeah. that's the budget. But it, it was, was us too. <laughs> it was like bowls of berries, like oh. so many berries. It was crazy. And she did a lot of things with them and that sort of sticks in my mind. And and buttermilk too. Yeah. A lot of buttermilk and things that they made. And in my book I sort of translated that to milk kefir. Mm. Um, I wanted to put a lot more recipes with that in it. But, you know, we ended up having to choose some. My grandmother had a um, yeah. a cellar that you walked down into with all the the jars lining the walls from the home Ugh. home you know some of it was probably fermented because she's from a German background um, but it was also a lot of peaches and things like that so the canned stuff and it was really cold yeah. down there yeah even in summer it was cold. nice yeah that was in Texas hmm. wow that's my dream now I would love yeah. Um, well, it seems to be, to be something in your life, this whole fermentation story wasn't something that you ever intended to walk down this path. And it seems that you found yourself through, through this process, however, that despite you never having planned to be here doing what you do, yeah. you've, uh, you've come to this and it's um, basically opened you up to aspects of yourself that you never knew you would find enjoyment in or or even fulfilled, and uh, to me that that's such a like a wonderful thing. Like I, I, something similar happened to me as well with uh, my partnership with Joe. Like I never actually mm. intended to be doing this work and talking to people about what I talk about. But I, I say I forced dump my way here. You know, <laughs> yeah. like this, this, <laughs> and I did too. <laughs> to, to, to this. Can you tell us a bit about? Yeah, what's, exactly. Uh, maybe uh, can you talk to us a little bit about that? kind of personal journey and how you've um, yeah. you've ended up where you are and uh, and maybe the finding of the self that you've come through here and uh, and how yeah. that's played itself out yeah well I don't know I guess that um, it did feel very spiritual that so after Japan I met an American there and we got married and had kids and kept traveling and um, every time then I was a stay-at-home mum and uh, loved that so much um, <laughs> actually my eldest has just finished her last exam, so I'm particularly living in the past a little bit, thinking back to those times Aww. when they were little. Um, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, um, each time over there, I would, wherever we were, I'd sort of find a new thing. And they were always fermented. fermented. They're like pickles, but lacto-fermented pickles and, and cheeses. Um, but it was when so my youngest daughter got really sick and... and uh, when I was given a list of foods that would replace her gut bacteria, that felt sort of spiritual then. And that felt, that felt like, oh, gosh, everything's all tied together, like with a red line, what I've been doing and, and to now. Um, that was a pretty amazing thing. And then I came back to Australia and started the business. That was also pretty much unintentional. Uh, it was a lot of work, though, but mm. it just it happens sort of one step after another and it still is a little bit like that um i'm just you know it's like oh yeah i actually do have a business yeah <laughs> have a business. Oh, that sounds so um, much like I, I feel shy about it you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I want to read a little section of uh, of your introduction in the book 
book. Uh, I'll, uh, if you don't mind, I just want to give the, the listeners a little bit of a, an idea. So this is um, on page nine of your book. Uh, and I'll, I'll skip through a paragraph. Uh, the one, in one part, you write, the ball was rolling and I wasn't even pushing it. In fact, I needed it to stop because I had no idea how to upscale. <laughs> and then I look back in awe at, of that period of simultaneously working part-time at a school, solo parenting my kids, making and bottling up my ferments at night and delivering on weekends between drop-offs to choir and music. But I'd started a small fire. I'd wake up with burning excitement, movement in my heart and a head full of thoughts, plans, and dreams. It was also exhausting and a time of uncertainty, but I had created something, and I loved every second of it. I also felt I was doing important and work. So many people just starting to learn about gut health and bacteria imbalance, and I truly wanted to help them. What a, what a beautiful way to express that time in your life and to condense it into, into that sentiment. Um, and, um, I can't believe I wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, wow, good, this is it? really well written. Whoever yeah. wrote that is pretty, pretty awesome. So you found your way, way into this and it kind of seemed to unfold on its own because it was uh, aligned with um, your path and purpose and uh, the need yeah. of your life to express in that way so that you could help your, yourself, your family and, and the people around you and maybe give you some, a little bit of, you know, to get rooted into uh, your own life in a different way. Um, yeah. What have you found in, in fermentation? As, like you, you were a nomad in the first part of your life yeah. and then the, there was this uh, switch to, to finding roots within uh, this craft that you have. Can you talk yeah. to us a little bit about Yeah, gosh. Um... Yeah, it's, it's, it's been pretty amazing, actually, because you're right, that did um, plant me and um, I, it gave me, in the first stage, people who would come and um, loved what I was doing and we made friends or some kind of relationship through the food. And then I also made connections with people in the stores that I was delivering to and um, a mutual respect for each other and our work. And then through that, I've met all my people. Yeah, mm. people who love food or love uh, the environment or want to change the food system um, in a way that recently I was with a friend who's not in food. And I sat there and I was like, oh, my God, what do we talk about? <laughs> I totally understand that. Yeah. My foodies, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I can't. I keep talking about myself or what I'm interested in all the time, you know, whereas when you're with other fermenters, that's, you're right in there. Um, yeah. You're able to indulge in that together. Yeah, it's I've never had anything like that before other than perhaps baby group when I had my mm-hmm. first babies. Um, this one, because after that, you kind of don't want the brand new mums. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Past that. <laughs> you don't want to yeah. talk about nappies and feeding all day. <laughs> Yeah, you're like, come on, this is easy, get over it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it is true, you really do connect with people. Yeah, so over. it's been amazing. And, yeah. And the other thing I think, when I, when I first started, I was quite far outside of Melbourne and I'd never lived in Melbourne and I, I didn't have a great impression of it, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't want to live here at all, but I was delivering you know, to people's homes and seeing all kinds of lovely neighbourhoods and going into their home. You know, some people 
I had never, I still haven't met, they left their key in a hidden spot and I'd take the ferment, put it in their fridge, take the cash, lock their door and go. Um, a couple of them came and worked for us when they couldn't afford it for a while and um, made all these really unusual friends and then also I would drive to stores as we grew and deliver to the shops all over Melbourne and um, I got to see Melbourne and that's how I got to find the neighbourhood that we live in now pretty much and mm. I feel like I know people all over Melbourne, you know, within a very short time. Mm. So that's also the way to, I guess if you've been a nomad, it's very easy to leave a place when you don't know that many people. Yeah. It's not a lot to lose. You're like, okay, you know, I can leave, I could go to the next place. It's not that hard, but now... I mean, I don't know where I would go that would be better than this. You've put your roots down yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it helps that I have. I met someone. It does help. Who is from, the, you know, that helps too. Well, that, that also was something that was uh, bubbling away in the kitchen while <laughs> you were <Yeah>. doing <laughs> That's true. So, so this is your your business partner and now your life partner and um, the person who you you were working with on the fermentation and uh, um, so this is uh, yeah that's it's such a wonderful story to read. Um, people to to have a, a read of the introduction before they get into the recipes to get an idea because I, I love your book it's such a, a beautiful story of uh, of an individual's life of uh, you know finding this kind of um, this purpose and uh, having things fall in place for them uh, and it kind of looks like a like a crazy ride for you completely unintentional and it just got you to the most beautiful place to make you know these uh, smoked uh, jalapeno sauerkraut, oh, which is, I think, you know, <laughs> I think, you know, it's, it's the, <laughs> the, the best thing ever. Last this time is, I came to Melbourne, our mutual friend, you were staying, sorry, yeah. it's, can you hear me? No, I was going to say that. I was going to yeah. name the audience. Yeah. You go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, you, you I was just going to job. say that the, the first time we tasted your um, smoky jalapeno, sauerkraut we were just like what is this why have we never had this before so the second so Lordy of course sent us both home with some and um, then the next time I went to Melbourne a few weeks back she sent me home with two more jars <laughs> she's such a sweetie so Lordy's a mutual friend I'm coming of with ours it's this time to Melbourne I'm gonna pack it with uh, I think I've got <laughs> Uh, so. I'll bring you some. You're coming in a few weeks. Huh? Yeah, we are. Definitely. So I'm, uh, we, we definitely want yeah want to make use of that trip to stock up. Mind uh, you, we do have uh, the recipe in to your cookbook. About, uh, very, very... I do. <laughs> in fact, I was just speaking to this, um, you know, like a, a you call it a mentor in business, you know, and he was like, "You've got to be an idiot to um, put all your IP and your recipes in a book." And I was like, oh, no, that's the whole point. My point wasn't start to start a business. It's, you know, to spread the word. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Delicious ferment. Well, not everybody has time to make them, down. so it's they're still going to buy them. That's right. There's, there's a little bit of um, confidence in there that's saying, you can do this, but, you know, I'll do it for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you know, you know. <laughs> oh, but we love that too, not just you know, out of pure laziness, but to know that someone is making 
such a high quality product and actually is um, you know on a mission mm-hmm. to influence the world positively uh, be, you know have their life be an expression of positivity we want to support people like that as well yeah. so there's that aspect too where you go like we we just we want to have that this uh, product in our kitchen because we just want to make sure that whatever work that you're doing you can continue to do and this is i think the, the beautiful um, way this new economy is emerging one where we're putting our money uh, towards the people whose causes we believe in and uh, mm. this is um, our entire um, business is based on uh, other people and what we do and coming in to support us sharon so you know mm. you you give to them uh, the gift of a book or or something like that, but, but they also give in return, and it's just um, yeah, a right. wonderful thing. But um, I, I wanted to talk about um, Sander Katz and your time with mm. Sander Katz. Oh, yeah. Maybe can you uh, tell us who, who he is uh, for the people who don't know and his significance in um, our uh, days now, like the, the, in the, what people uh, have learned from him and what he's brought oh. to the world and oh. uh, what your personal experience was when you went there. And uh, mentor him. Oh, that's a lot to, to, to talk about. Um, <laughs> I'm always surprised when I do a workshop and people come and to to learn about dementia from me, and I'm, I bring up Sandor Katz and like, you know, who doesn't know Sandor Katz? And a lot of people put their hand up. I'm like, what? Oh my god, I'm so <laughs> offended. How how can you not know? Anyway, um, he is uh, a wonderful, gentle human um, who really pretty much started with one of the instigators for the whole fermentation revolution, I guess, or, um, you know, what would you call that? What, bring it, bringing it back into the, our vocab uh, every day. And he, he would have started this early 90s, I guess. And when I was living in Seattle, I, I had started this sourdough project and um, I heard him on the radio or something and then I, went, I, I ordered his, back then it wasn't a book yet, it was a zine, a magazine. Mm-hmm. And I got hold of that, and then he went to a, the local um, college. It was a naturopathy college, and I saw him there. Um, but I, you know, that, who was I? I didn't know that I was going to get into this then. Um, but I loved his book. I loved his voice hmm. in the book, and uh, I always called him Shandor in my mind because that's I had a friend called Shandor from Hungary, mm-hmm. and um, then later on, I applied. For um, an internship, so that would have been two, 2015, for people who are fermenting a, the business, and I got in. So I went over there. He lives on um, a, just outside of an intentional community, and he started fermenting because of that intentional community, and they um, are in the middle of nowhere, pretty much off grid. Um, mostly, the people there are HIV positive or seeking refuge from the world in some way, I, I feel. And um, they were growing their own vegetables and he, they had too much, just as you do. And, you know, in the world, we've, um, in our world anyway, we have lost sight of that actually, that a season is full of abundance and then you preserve and mm. you live a little bit meekly and then, you know, there's abundance again. Um, but he, um, he found that with abundance he needed to preserve preserve that and started fermenting and because where they were there were crocs and empty things lying around apparently and um that started his fervor he calls it fermentation fervor um and he wrote a book about it and it just grew 
and for him definitely snowballed. Um, he's won a James Beard Award and he's mm. internationally renowned now. Um, he doesn't have a business in fermenting, you know. His, his business is talking about it and, right. um, and letting other people talk about it. The, um, the internship that I went on was amazing for me in a couple of ways. Firstly, because I had been, you know, steeped in this thing here in Australia and um, with my kids and Roger who'd come along and um, making this business and then I got to go over there and just stop for a second uh, and um, everyone in the room was very similar, uh, not similar to me, but were in time, but more than the fermenting. I think it was seeing people in this intentional community. It really moved me um, how peaceful and slow life could be. And, you know, that's how life should be really, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I had, that hasn't left me actually, that impression. Mm. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you about about the uh, the title of your book. I want to clarify: uh, is it uh, f- ferment for good or ferment for good? Is it a noun or a verb? Ferment for good. All right, it's and, a verb. Yeah. <laughs> and, and can you explain to us the um, the reason behind the name and what what the significance and meaning is for you? What you mean with that I, statement? Mm, you're right. It has a few. It can, it can be read a few different ways. Um, well, I think it's sort of self-explanatory when you talk about my story a little bit. It's um, for fermenting for your inner good, you know, for your gut health. And for me, it was uh, for my daughters and city, and now for the the rest of the city. <laughs> um, and then it's also for the goodness of your soul. I think it's um, there's something very uh, connected about the grounding. process of fermentation. And, and it, yeah, grounding it. And um, it's a slowness. Mm, yeah. It, you know, these days everything just happens so fast. Even yeah. I'm noticing now we do mail order on our website and the receipt, when you click buy, it says seven to ten days on it. But people will email me two days later and say, hey, where's my book? Yeah. Like, whoa, I'm not Amazon. I am, yeah. <laughs> I am for people business, you know, trying to do a lot of things. And um, people want things straight away. And mm. I've said to them, you know, when you about your sauerkraut actually only takes five minutes when you think about it five yeah. to ten minutes if, you, if you're fast but you have to wait for six weeks or two weeks mm. and there's something about that that um i think is good you yeah. know that we need yeah that simpler i uh, have a friend who's a he's a winemaker um he had he was making uh, this uh, pinot uh, wine and he had maybe like i don't know eight or the nine liters that were just spare and he he put them in a demijohn and um he put them to the side and he said oh man awesome like in five years i'm gonna have really great balsamic and i'm oh. like five years <laughs> and i like this the, and uh, how excited he was about, about something that was you know, going to take five years to happen. I'm like, how about five minutes? I, let's go to the shop now and get some more sound. And just the weight of that statement really fell on me, you know, just to, to have uh, a reminder of patience and uh, to, to be reminded that, uh, you know, in Instant gratification is just a, a, a habit that we've taken on board and that our, the pace of our life is uh, much larger than the day-to-day yes. we, 
that we actually uh, believe to, it to be. And um, it really uh, set me back to uh, this kind of uh, introspection within myself to look at um, all the areas in my life where I rush a lot, where I push myself too hard to actually get results or you know gratification or whatever it is like uh, immediately mm. and oh. um, and I think um, there's the, this kind of uh, contemplative meditative aspect to fermentation where you sort of put it and you trust that it's going to come out right and you give it its time and you don't do anything to it and you you're just checking on it and make sure that you know it's uh, it's going well but other than that you have to allow life to take place you know for yeah. it to, to old um have you found that it's that sort of has slowed you down as well like and what what's your uh how were your attitudes uh progressing as you went deeper and deeper yeah. in experimentation that's, world? That's, a, that's a nice point yes definitely for my personality too and as a, a nomad you generally you know don't think past three years you're like i'm here and then you kind of imagine the future mm. um and I think, I think I might have written that in the book too. One beautiful aspect for me is that whilst I've not had a garden or, you know, something that is that um, serious or, or deep, I can, um, I can take my crops with me and put them on a bench and um, even if it's two years that we need to wait, I, um, I can take it with me and it's, it's like a garden that you can move around with you. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. A movable feast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a movable garden. Wonderful. Um, can you, maybe let's start talking a bit about the book and the and the categories of fermentation that you cover because, hey, isn't fermentation just like kraut and kombucha or what else is there? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um I really love the long, the long, slow ferments like soy sauce and fish sauce, and I think that's what oh. is going to float my boat over the next little while. Um, yeah, longer thing. <laughs> but, um, of course, you've got all your vegetable ferments uh, that you make pretty much dry with salt, and um, the liquid comes from within the vegetable. Uh, and then you've got your brine vegetables where you, they're a dryish vegetable and you pour salt water uh, over them to ferment like that and using the lactic acid bacteria that's on the vegetable to ferment it. Mm -hmm. um, wine, of course, there's a lot of natural wines too that are becoming more widely available. And fermenting at the, actually has opened my eyes to a lot of, uh, you know, actually natural processes and how things are made and how they've been sort of bastardised a little mm. bit by large-scale mm. manufacturing. Industry, the need yeah. to go faster, cheaper, make more. Yeah. Um, so I do enjoy a um, natural natural fizz in a drink now. Yeah. I think about it a little more carefully because <laughs> it's not it's not regular. You, you get that. Mm. And so water kefir, I think it's maybe because our water kefir as well, we've, we've decided to license that so that we can keep the natural sparkle. Mm -hmm. And because we've gone through that, chosen that, that path it's a, you know I've sort of looked into the wine industry and thought about how there aren't a lot of um, minimal intervention wines at the moment yeah getting more but that sort of industry changed that quite a bit mm. so, so just allowing the wine to to ferment itself and to um, just care for it while it's doing that rather than adding um, you know preservatives or acids or um, 
yeah. things things like that and that's yeah. um, usually done for quality control when uh, a winemaker is making huge batches of this stuff and they can't actually um, be as attentive as a small batch producer who's basically caring for this as a as if it's a child and, and um, abuse of the soy sauce like what's the time frame of creating an aged soy sauce before you can sort of call it you know a high quality source i'll say two years yeah yeah so so uh, i remember um watching this uh, show called the chef's table with this uh, buddhist nun in uh, korea she lives in this monastery up high in the korean mountains and she makes these amazing uh, um, kimchi and soy sauce and hers like something like 20 years worth of fermentation yeah. goes into oh. and uh, that you know is just staggering to to, uh, to have that kind of uh, slow down in your life and to have to go like well 20 years you know I might not be here for it anyway yeah. <laughs> anyway you know like but, but I'm gonna do it regardless and uh, it's, it's sort of like that uh, Chinese proverb which I love it says you know the best time to plant a tree mm. was 20 years ago and the second best time is now yeah and, that's right uh, it's, uh, I do I do tell people often when they, they're kind of like ah they don't understand like how, why would you make something that's not going to be you know ready for the cheese and I'm like but you would plant a tree I mean you've got to think food preparation similar to gardening I think because people plant trees you know and they're not going to be ready for 10 20 years and, and you you don't plant a tree going oh, probably not, I might not be here to see this so what's the point you know you plant it because you might not be here to see it you know mm. you, you're planting a tree to leave it there maybe leave, make the world a bit better so I'll have to um, start thinking of fermenting as something I do for my children for the future <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do sometimes my, my kids are like oh please don't leave us you know <laughs> <laughs> that are probably my kids too. This one's going to be ready in 20 years. You know, this one's ready in 2030. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love it. Can I ask some questions about the practical side of fermenting? Yes. Um, can you tell me, this is a question that we get a lot, um, is it how important is it to use organic vegetables? Um, I feel like people that's always a loaded question, and I'm like, mm. do you only like organic vegetables? But I don't think it's as important as people think, depending on the vegetable. Yeah, obviously. So a bunch of carrots from Coles. That's been that's been months in, in mm. getting there, and whether it's organic or not. Yeah, still has been months in getting there. So just know that logistically those organic carrots and coals have not come direct from your local farmer, mm. you know. Um, but then then if that's all you've got, if coals is all you've got, um, then you would definitely want to get those organic carrots from yeah. there over the, the other ones sitting there. Um, for me at the fermentary, we have two two big cabbage farmers nearby. Um, actually, we have three, three and one of them, obviously, I prefer to get our cabbages organically grown. Yeah. But the one nearby is minimal intervention. And mm -hmm. I've learned a lot about the soil and caring for the soil over the last 
actually your soil and your gut, there's a correlation. I sort of treat them the same, you know. Yeah. Um, it, that guy has said, you know, now and then he'll need to spray something. But what you need for cabbages is very mild and always gone. So we've had the cabbages tested and there's nothing on them by the okay. time we get them. Yeah. Tell me that early on and I was like, oh, you know, I don't know. But actually for sauerkraut, um, I've read a lot of uh, different people who sell starter culture <laughs> saying that you need organic and um, otherwise those pesticides kill all the bacteria. It's just not true. It's okay. Not true. So um, otherwise I wouldn't be – none of my veggies would ferment, you know. Mm. We, we have over – we've had our um, our um, cabbage and sauerkraut measured for probiotics and it's really high and a uh, really beautiful, diverse mm. amount of bacteria. And that's, that's what good. I think – we're that's after as well. Yeah. Not, yeah, three different kinds of bacteria, but uh, a f- a less less amounts of bacteria, but more variety. That's what we're missing. Yeah. Yeah. Can, so, can yeah. you elaborate on that variety aspect? Mm. So in Australia, when you any of our ferments that are made with the starter culture, it was nearly everything. Um, really, the, the law states that we're only allowed to import it. There's only about five or six different cultures that yeah we are important um so that's the that's your range right there that you're getting in all of your food that's made here um cheese and yogurts they're all the same culture pretty much ah. um and we're putting that in our gut yeah so but our gut requires 30 to 50 different kinds all lactic acid and similar you know similar family but um different kinds that's what we're missing variety yeah. so that's that's how you're going to and originally the fermentary um, little logo was fighting gut democracy because that's what I was doing at the time. Um, we're thinking about changing that now, but at the time I was like, no, no, we need, you know, the world and your gut needs a wide variety of things to have a democratic society and um, there's no good and bad bacteria unless they're out of balance. And, yeah. And, um, that happens easily if you've only got a few different kinds. Yeah. Well said. Well said. This yeah. is, um, you know, again, this kind of uh, um, dialectic, I guess, that we're putting uh, around uh, having to polarize things all the time. Like we just, we have to. It's either good or bad. Yeah. You know, like you have to. Yeah. Yeah. If it's not organic, it's not good. Or whatever. It's, it's really. Yeah. yeah. Or, yeah, or right. even yeah. if a bacteria is sort of uh, out. To- to get you somehow yeah. and then you have to you know wage a war against a disease or you know things like that it's just a, a strange way, way like language makes the um have these belief systems um i'm um, just um with, with regards to things like fermentation and, and cabbage like making say your sauerkraut um, mm-hmm. is there a specific season for these things or um do you find that uh, like winter is a better time or or autumn, like when, when do you prefer to ferment? It would be great. Um, in Victoria, cabbage is growing pretty well all season. Wombok. Wombok, uh, for our kimchi, we use wombok, and that's definitely um, ending right now, the, okay. the good times of kimchi making. Um, I think it's definitely a beautiful time to ferment in the winter. That's traditional. The temperatures are cool. People tend to think of fermenting as a warm thing, but with vegetables, cool and slow is really bringing out the most complex flavours. Ah, that's good to know. It's how we we did it a long time time ago. Yeah. Mm. Um, So, yes, if I could do everything between June and now, it'd be great. 
But we, we don't. We, we make water kefir all year round. Yeah, and that's course. for us the seasonal flavours. That's when seasons come in. Cabbages in Victoria, they, they are. They're growing all year. So we keep making our sauerkraut all year long. And we're in an old abattoir. So the temperature sits pretty cool. Mm. Unfortunately, for some of our staff are like, why is it so cold in here? And in the summer, everyone's in there going, <laughs> oh, oh, so nice to be here. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it stays cold. Um, but the, the water kefir, we're doing some fun things now that we've got a bit more time um, as far as foraging or I don't know what you, what's the word, second. So there's a Yarra Valley strawberry conglomerate, is mm-hmm. that what it would be, a group of farmers, mm-hmm. and they, they throw out about a million, I feel like I'm making it up, but I'm, about a million tonne <gasps> of is that be right? No. No, it's a high number of strawberries a year, okay. a season. So half of half of what they, they grow, they wow. throw Wow, why is that? And so, yeah, uh, two, uh, maybe it has a little, maybe it rained and there are little pockmarks in it or mm. they described to, to us a number of reasons for throwing them out Do you, and um, very carefully making the strawberries sound really bad. But do you want them? And we're like, yeah, we'll try it, you know. <laughs> and we got them. And the first delivery, we just took, took 30 kilos and we had them here in the house. And I felt like I was back in Denmark because oh, I was like, kids, eat no. as many as you like. Like, you know, again. Yeah. Strawberries. And what's for breakfast? Strawberries. What's for lunch? Strawberries. It was really only one evening. It was one evening for them. <laughs> that were gone. We're supposed to be using the documentary. <laughs> but it was, um, yeah, <laughs> 30 kilos, but there was nothing wrong with them that oh. we could see. Wow. And um, I asked them, you know, gosh, you shouldn't be throwing this this many out. And we're not a huge company, so I don't know if I can use, uh, is it a million kilos? Maybe I don't know. I don't know if I can use all of that right now. Um, but I know some jam makers. And they said, oh, no, we've already contacted most of the jam makers. It's cheaper for them to import strawberries no. processed and frozen from South Ameri- America than it is for them to go and get them on oh, the Yarra Valley. that's terrible. Oh. It's crazy. Yeah. So that's a big part of what I'm learning, uh, what I've learned over the last few years with, with a, a manufacturing business is how broken our food system is yeah. throughout the world. Um, wow. That, that we will be importing. Um, so, so how do you... You see this uh, these attitudes changing. Like, how do you think you can convince a business to have a smaller profit margin and support the better cause? How would that? I'd say um, actually just conversation, conversation, and communicating. Um, that woman who started her job there, and um, she saw this and was mortified. Because mm. I think sometimes you get so used to something that you don't question. Yeah. You just don't. It's like people um, people are buying Himalayan salt. Mm-hmm. Everyone's buying it. And I'm like, it comes from the Himalayas and it says on the it's one over a million years old. Who do you think is getting that salt? It's not people being paid $25 an hour, high, highly qualified to chip away yeah. at this beautiful salt mine. It's um, children, of course. And then yeah. it's being shipped all, all over Australia and the world yeah. in blocks and until mm-hmm. it's all gone. It's the we totally agree on that. Resort. But, and then people, I, I see when I'm, yeah, when I'm talking about Himalayan salt in my forums, whatever, I can see people's faces falling going, I hadn't thought of it. And it's yeah. like, nobody does at the moment. We, we walk into a supermarket and we grab it. Yeah. We grab and we go. 
even though, and you've been told by someone else that Himalayan is better for you, you know, and that mm. person hasn't looked further. And same as the coconut um, mm-hmm. fad. It's just a crazy food fad at the moment. And I, I know as a manufacturer in this gut health food realm, we've been asked by quite a few large companies to make en masse for them. And I sort of looked into it and I thought, you know, I looked at it, but I would have had to go to go into massive debt to get the amount of equipment that we needed and mm. we would have had to change our processes and do a few things. And, you know, that if just say, just say that supermarket decided to drop that line, mm. I would be left with that debt. Yeah. And I feel like that that's just a little bit of an insight to what might go on overseas with coconut farming. Sorry. Who gets, if you get this and you can get that, that's how it, can't buy, seem to get um, it to stop. You know, we will buy this amount from you. They want me to stop. I'll unplug yeah, it. I'm sorry. Sorry. Yes, we'll just take a second. I'm on a bit of a rant anyway. Go ahead. No, no, it's a good rant. Keep ranting. <laughs> these. these so these are the things we want we want to talk about. Like you know, it, it's lovely to talk about things like recipes and sauerkraut, which we'll get to. But um, yeah. you know, this podcast is here to raise awareness of these issues to people mm-hmm. and uh, and to highlight um, the things that are broken with our food system. So yeah. uh, please rant away. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's also it's, it's it's not just the food system. It's a little bit of and it's not our fault, but it's complacency and 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 the. Mm the lack of and curiosity mm-hmm. that, that we have towards food. And it's not like I'm blaming, I'm going, oh, you know, everyone's crap. It's just that you don't think we haven't been changed and think like that and we're just very comfortable. And as soon as you say to people, think about where that comes from, they go, oh, my gosh, I hadn't, hadn't thought. And with the um, coconuts, that's what I, I sort of start thinking, gosh, if, if the food fad of coconuts, if someone says actually it's not that good for you or um, when we get sick of all, all the coconut water and coconut milk. There will be farmers that are left with debt and debilitating um, debt. And so maybe the farms and the land, because that kind of sudden sudden demand isn't great, I don't mm. think. I can't imagine it, it being that. No, I, I agree with you because in, in yeah. any case, like to keep up with that kind of demand, they have to clear maybe forests or uh, old growth, uh, vineyards yeah. or groves or whatever it is that they're doing to plants that are monocultured and um, that places a burden on the environment in itself and then on the farmer to continue to produce. And then when the demand goes yep. away, it causes you know, havoc in the economy and the individual people's lives. So, uh, yeah. it, but, but these issues just don't exist with the local food system. It, no. they, they're not uh, no, possible no. So much uh, when, you, when you're supporting your local farmers who, yeah, they have, they yeah. have to uh, create uh, crops that see them th- throughout the year and the sea. Seasons, and they have to uh, produce uh, foods that uh, are, are um, you know, in line with the demand of uh, that geography, rather than what the people want. Like you can't grow a pineapple in the mountains, you know. Like it's just right. like, you, sh- you shouldn't be able to to eat that. And uh, if it's something like an occasional indulgence, maybe that's okay. But mm. to be eating pineapples in winter in like the Blue Mountains where I live, it's just a complete crazy as a yeah. staple fruit uh, because it just doesn't uh, it's not sustainable for us as a as a species to be e- e- eating yeah. in that way that's why that's right. and I think um, what could what could be lovely is people starting to uh, enjoy the spontaneous um, moment where you do have if you live in the Blue Mountains and you do have a pineapple 
or it is pineapple season and you do get them and ferment them or make them into a drink or use the peel, make the vinegar, do what you can to treat it as a precious thing and a precious time. And um, we don't have we sort of that supermarket mentality has really trained us into thinking everything's available all the time. Yeah, I was in Singapore um, just uh, what is it? Weeks ago, just a few weeks ago, and um, I was looking in the supermarket. Now, Singapore is a very small island, and they don't grow most of their food. And I was looking in the supermarket, and I saw uh, that the fresh produce came from as far as South America, Central America, um, places like um, South Africa, Vietnam, Thailand, Australia, New Zealand, mm. and that's the entire food system is based on imports, and um, that's because they. Uh, prioritize the population and the economy over sustainability within that island. So ideally, yeah. there would have been a much smaller population growing their own food and being self-sufficient with their water supply. But now they have to import their water and they have to import uh, their uh, their fruit and their fresh food from all over the world. Even their meat has to come from yeah. overseas. And uh, this is this is as beautiful as Singapore is. It's an incredible, incredible city, and it's uh, really like one of the those uh, amazing places where you look at as a model city for uh, tolerance and um, people living together uh, from different religions and um, you know peacefully and all that but this is a yeah. really really serious uh, problem with their food supply system yeah. and um, this is endemic in all civilized countries and they all are following suit luckily for us in Australia we do produce most of our food but Australia is such a large continent that you know it's kind of uh, a bit funny to say, well, this is a local Australian product that comes from South Australia when you live in New South Wales, because uh, you know this, it gives you that false view of locality, and it's still not local if it's come, you know, in a refrigerated truck and was picked four months ago. You can't call it That's local. Right. In, in that no, this is no. In my in my ideal, as far as demand for, oh, sorry. Joe. Yes, oh, Joe. Sorry, um, it's got the, it's got a real lag on the time, so I'm having a hard time saying anything. Sorry, <laughs> I was trying uh. I was trying to put a word in a few times, but um, just the whole idea of the seasonal food. I that's why I just love my CSA box that I get delivered each week. I don't think about um, I don't have to think about what's in season. I just get it delivered to me. <laughs> so whatever's there, that's what I use. And, it's, yeah, yeah. you know, when pineapples are in season, that's uh-huh. when we eat them. And, you know, when the tropical fruit's in season, that's when oh. we eat it. And it's not um, it's not a case of going to the supermarket. Well, I do use some things from a supermarket, but I'm very aware of what's in season because of the box that's delivered oh. from local farmers. Um, so I love that. And oh. and having such a good love of of one thing for a while like you say that's the perfect time to ferment that thing so it's good yeah and i wish i had a csa box from queensland just, just quietly because <laughs> i must I just i must just tell you that um, <laughs> getting a pineapple in my CSA yeah, box. <laughs> our local our local um area has the most variety in the smallest um area um, of all of Australia. Really? Yeah, because we have we have the tropical dane tree, tropical fruits. We have the um, drier, high tablelands. We have the the wetter um, tablelands. We have the coastal, all in you know a few kilometres. So we grow a big variety up here. You have to come visit. <laughs> Oh, I was going to say, see what you've done now. Uh oh. You can bring your crops <laughs> and come live next have, door to me. Have you tried black sapoti before? 
<laughs> we have a beautiful, um, a great CSA here. Oh, that's um, good. That I'm trying to promote, and people can pick the boxes up from our porch here in Fitzroy. Oh, awesome. And it's, it's organic. That's right. That's, and, um, Lordy gets hers from you guys, doesn't she? Same place? It's a new startup. Okay. That's right. That's how yeah. we, um, one of the ways how we met. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was that's just right. saying, have you ever tried black sapote? What? Is have you ever tried black, black sapote? Yeah, chocolate pudding fruit. No. Oh, well, that's what you'll have to come visit for then. <laughs> well, you've got to, that's, that's one good reason to, yeah, one good reason to come <laughs> and visit the Tablelands is trying the food. It is incredible. Taryn, mm. uh, okay. can you uh, uh, to, to sort of um, tie, tie up the podcast and um, maybe just give our listeners uh, from all the recipes in the book, can you uh, give us an idea of the ones that are uh, easiest to start off with and have yeah, people sort of, um, if they're starting to get... Well, go ahead and ask it then. No, 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 that's okay. I was just going to say, what should people start with? What's simple? I'm used to it. No. I was just going to say, what's what's something that you really recommend people start with? Same question. Uh, I really um, lean towards a honey ferment because um, everybody has can get honey generally. You can get okay. honey and garlic. They're really – that's a really – start and generally pretty amazing because people don't think of honey as being full of life and um, the garlic brings it out in honey and it, it tastes really great straight away or, or once you start that not using garlic but something like nectarines or um, blackberries. So what does that look like as a process? So you just it needs to be raw honey um, mm -hmm. and you can get a lot of raw honey now thank goodness due to conversation and demand yes. you know they've, they've stopped mm. um, heat processing honey. Uh, a lot of companies have. Um, so you just get your honey and um, say just in a little jar, one of those sort of jam jars that has a lid will do. And if you peel, say, five or ten little garlic cloves and pop them in and pour the honey over the top, and you don't even need to worry about a weight or anything really. Just, just be really casual and put the lid on. And um, within a day or two, the honey will become more, more liquid. Yes. And... Um, We'll cover all of the garlic up and you'll need to release the gas. That's, that's the fun bit. Um, <laughs> and it can get quite fizzy and fizz over. So make sure you leave headroom, you know what I mean, like a gap between the top of the honey and the lid. You can't have it filled all the way up to the top. It'll, it'll ooze out and turn you off forever. Um, but with the fruit, for example, in the winter, when I've got my um, summer fruits in honey, the honey tastes, for example, I did nectarines just because um, – the nectarine was going a bit soft on one side, so I quickly chopped one up into slithers and popped it in this jar of honey. And it was actually the jar of honey that was um, leftover honey. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I just even put, put it right into the yeah. jar and um, left it there for ages. And then in, in the winter with our porridge, we just would spoon over this beautiful nectarine-flavoured honey over our porridge and the blackberry-flavoured honey. Yeah. Oh, incredible. That's a really wow. easy one. Does it have I've never to, tried that. Does the honey really? have to cover the fruit? Yes, it does. But when okay. you first do it, particularly with the garlic, it'll float to the top and it'll stress you out. <laughs> People go, oh, no, mine's not working. But you just open the lid and sort of pop it down with a spoon and give it a stir and eventually, like I've got honey and garlic that have been around for three years and the garlic, or more actually now, five years, wow. the garlic get, is quite translucent when you slice it. You can eat it 
raw. It's really mildly gentle. Um, And the honey in those batches, the honey's getting low because my middle daughter is a singer and she uses that for her throat all the time. I've done that before. Is there a concern about botulism or anything like that? Uh, fermenting garlic or um, is that something probably, that we don't have to worry about? Probably, you know, but I don't worry. I haven't worried about it. <laughs> <laughs> and does it not go in the fridge at all? In it just general, stays out? If you're yeah. honey and garlic. No, never, never. Okay. But I would say about the botulism, actually, that the lactic acid bacteria is pretty strong and it happens within 24 hours. So when it comes, I know I know toxic toxins can outlive things like that, but... I've never really heard about any botulism problems with honey garlic ferments. I mean, okay. I think, you know. I am so going to try that today. It's going on. <laughs> yeah. I'll take the risk. It sounds too delicious. Yeah. yeah. I've got nectarine sitting <laughs> there waiting, waiting for me too. <laughs> there you go. Now you'll have nectarines all winter. Oh. Honey, you'll thank me for it. And the kids, the kids think they're complimenting me because they say, oh, the I serve the peaches up on the on the porridge as well, and they're like, "Oh, these are just like canned peaches." Well, they're not <laughs> they're fermented. <laughs> so much better. They're, they're alive still. That's yeah. the difference. Yeah. 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 So, do you have any more questions for Sharon? Or um, yeah, um, I I was at a I was at Kale Brock's gut movie the other night, and people were asking questions about fermenting, and um, they were sort of saying what. Like if you have gut issues, what would you suggest starting with and what is a later food that you would bring in later? So I know with GAPS, they usually say start with a little bit of sauerkraut juice and work your way up to things like milk kefir and stuff Mm. later. Is Mm. that what you would say? Mm. Yeah, I get a lot of um, people talking about that. In general, when I've finished my like a workshop on kraut making, people ask me like, how much should I take? Yeah. I go back to the beginning of this is actually food. Mm-hmm. So unless you're on a protocol yeah. and you know you are, then you treat this exactly like this delicious, delicious food yeah. and you eat it, you know. And if, some, if you have bloating, then you can go back and go, oh, that caused bloating. But um, I, I've really found that the disconnect between what we're making and it's, it being a very traditional food that is mm. good for you but it's not – just purely a medicine it's just another aspect of food that's been missing from our diets for yeah. about 100 years so treat it like something oh my god thank god god we remembered this you yeah. know treat it like a food first um if you're on a protocol then definitely and i have a lot of people now buying our sauerkraut juice and kimchi yes. juice who are going through chemo or they can't digest cabbage at all yeah um it is a very good and gentle way to start yeah but I actually feel like you have to have a pretty out of balance gut to not be able to eat sauerkraut. Mm. I, I mean, I think you should be able to eat kimchi and, and sauerkraut um, without too much trouble. And if, if you are a person who can't, you'd, you'd know it already. Yeah, you'd know yeah. It. <laughs> it's usually people with mm. um, histamine issues and really bad gut issues that have yeah. to start very slowly. Yeah. 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 Um, so a lot of my people that come in are foodies or mm-hmm. trying to start their gut health journey. So yeah. I'm always like, you know what, just first please you treat this as another member of your food life, mm-hmm. you know, and try and first find ways that you are going to eat it 
for the not through this next few months because you're on a paleo diet or, you know, mm. um, get excited and have a bit of kraut in a Buddha bowl and then forget <laughs> about it. We've got to find ways to eat it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> eat such, it. A, such a nice way to, to um, you know, make it look like the fan that it, it, it could be, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be a fad. I'm yeah. not interested in being yeah. connected in a, into a fad. Yeah. I'm no. really interested in the fact Traditional that foods. in Australia we don't have yeah, we don't have this in, in our recipe or in our in our minds as like, mm. oh, I'm having, um, you know, some avocado on toast. Oh, a bit of jalapeno crap. Yeah. It's delicious. It's good for you too. Yeah. But let's just think of it as, oh, my God, it's so good. It yes. tastes so fresh and, it, and I once, feel good after eating it. Yummy. Once you really yeah. start to develop a taste for it, no meal seems um, complete without something fermented, does it? It just doesn't seem right. <laughs> That's right. Yep. That's right. It's got that yep. tangy right. flavour you want. I, I, having said all that, you know, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, we just we don't have bitter and sour yeah. in our in our Australian diet um, naturally really anymore. So that's why we're sort of I'm just all about bringing that in and um, mm. teaching people that it is missing from our diet and um, and how to keep how to stay around for the long haul, not just be part of any any fad, yeah, health fad. Because I, I don't. Um, a bit worried about that. Yeah. Um, if it is a, a fad, say, it's the oldest fad on the planet. You know? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Kefir is my darling, though. I, <laughs> I do think that, and I have seen it heal a lot of um, yeah. simple issues like yeah. uh, esophageal problems and uh, reflux and mm. people taking Nexium for, you know, 10 years and then starting milk kefir and not taking it anymore. It's an amazing um, I've seen food. that. Yeah, it, it seems to be a very magical um, healer mm. and I believe in that stru- quite strongly that milk kefir is, is the one. If you had to choose one yeah. to heal a gut, um, it would be definitely milk kefir for me. Mm. Yeah, wonderful. And um, you can, for people who are just starting eating fermented foods, you might find a bit of, might, might find a Pleasant maybe in the beginning if you're not used to sour flavors or bitter flavors and things like that, but uh, immediately your body starts recognizing it as something that's missing from its diet, like a really important, easy-to-digest nutrient. And the bacteria that comes into your body, they help uh, modulate your immune system. They help uh, break down uh, food for you and digest it they help make vitamins for you these are incredibly incredibly important allies that we need to be eating on a consistent basis and so important that we start including more and more of these foods in our diet and uh, use them uh, to accompany our meals like um, having fermented foods with starches for instance blunts the insulin spike that may take place and allows you to regulate your blood sugar more and um, you know the it's endless and this, the, the amount of uh, benefit that you get from fermented foods. Mm. Just wonderful stuff. Yeah. Sharon, um, um, Ferment for Good, Ancient Foods <laughs> for the Modern Gut is the name of your book. Where can people find it? I th- hopefully at all good bookstores. Um, <laughs> or you can get it from our website. Or uh, you- we do charge postage, you know. But um, <laughs> I sign the book then and we sometimes put little things in there. But um, otherwise, you know, online booksellers like Book Depository. Um, yeah, I'd like to recommend your local bookseller, but they often just order one or two at once, and that's then, true. You know, you have to go in and hassle them. Yeah, mm. yeah. And, have you um, that? Yeah. 
with your book. Are you in bookstores with your beautiful, beautiful book? Yeah. Okay. Only ones that go I, I just noticed yeah. the book industries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's a funny industry that I've just learned about too. It's, um, yeah, the book's doing really well. It's gone into second print. Oh, but at the great. same wow. time, I'm, I'm just such a, um, a virgin in industry, you know. I'm like, oh, this is, actually has its own politics and its own um, yeah. games as well. Oh, doesn't it? Publishing. Yeah. yeah. We don't worry about it. We just do our thing. I no, yeah, just, that's you know, right. Like, yeah. Kind of, <laughs> and, right. Um, just do it. Yep. Well, what about uh, your business? What's its name and where can people find the products? So the business is The Fermentary and uh, you can find uh, our products throughout Victoria um, at little independent grocers and health food stores, um, some lovely upmarket supermarkets. Leo's, there's that. And then um, in Sydney as well, and there are a couple in Queensland, um, you can contact me to, to, uh, if you have a little store that you want to be in and you're not in yet. We try wait, wait, how do they contact you? How do they do that? Through the website. Okay, and what is the website, sorry? Thefermentary.com.au. Wonderful. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And Joe, do you have any finishing questions? or? No, that's good. Sure? No, that's good. She's answered, I think she's answered everything I was going to ask. I love your story, Sharon, and I'm Sharon, really looking uh, forward to seeing you when we come to Melbourne, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. How many nights are you here for? Oh, I'm here. I'm uh, here one of our nights. sponsors. Uh, we... Oh, oh yeah. I have to catch up. Yeah. Um, I think Claudia and Vince are going to take me to Dalesford. I'm not really sure. So hopefully Ooh. we'll be able to get a chance to, to see you there as oh, well. Great. Um, to mention, uh, we, we have a sponsor, uh, Willida. They make incredible body products and uh, all natural, uh, made from, from uh, plant botanicals. And uh, they uh, always offer us to send some to our wonderful guests. So uh, oh. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna send some uh, a gift back to you at some uh, at Yay. some point uh, within I the next couple of weeks. Yeah, they're oh, incredible, they're so right? Beautiful. So beautiful. <laughs> yeah, so we'll we'll get some across to you, Sharon. Thank you so much for taking the time today to, to speak to us and to our audience and uh, we'll catch you in December. Yes, see you soon. Thanks for um, having me on the show. Oh, it's a pleasure for us. Thanks, Sharon. Thanks so much, Sharon. Thank you. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.